Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Welcome to 180 Degrees. This is Amarain. This is Inga Stoffels. And this is Zoe George. Oh, I love that intro, guys. <laughs> Flowed seamlessly. Welcome to the show tonight, guys. We're very excited. So we've got another What's Down in Your Kitchen this week. We've got a phenomenal interview. And we've got a really fun Bible quiz as well. I'm also looking forward to Inga's happy health tip. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. What's down in Cape Town? Cape Town. All right, and now it is time for the What's Down in Your Kitchen. This week's recipe is a lemon meringue. I'm really excited for this one. Um, fun fact about me, the most lemon meringues I've made in one day is 90. 90? Ninety. I want to hear that story. Ninety. I, I used to work at a bakery. We didn't only only make lemon meringues. We made ninety. Well, I made ninety lemon meringues. Um, she made the cheesecakes. I'm not sure how much we made. My my boss at the bakery, and then together we made about sixty uh, Vortelkuk carrot cakes oh. together. We had to make shortbreads for the restaurant, and we baked bread that morning as well. It was a very productive Can day. Can I just ask you? Was this in one day? Yeah. No. Oh. And like that, it was summer, so it was hectic before COVID. So every day we we sold out of the lemon meringues. Mm. Like the most oh I made, gosh. usually we made like sixty to, to eighty, but that yeah. day they're like ninety. We need to build up a bit <laughs> of a stock because there was nothing left. Yes, yes. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, and this is a really tasty recipe because we keep selling out, guys. I was gonna say, please give me the recipe. I I'm in a baking. The baking bug bit me. <laughs> the baking bug bit me. She made a delicious mulfa. Oh, I did in that. I did. And now I feel like I can bake anything. So I'm ready for this recipe. <laughs> you know, this is actually a really, re- really easy recipe as well. Um, It's from my mother. I keep giving you guys my family recipes. <laughs> no, I'm not sure it. if they'll we be mad it. about it. But <laughs> it's because we're all family here. Oh, yeah, we're all family. family on 180 degrees. So to make the base of the lemon meringue, you need one and a half packets of tennis biscuits. This doesn't have to be the tennis biscuit brand. It just needs to be any cookie that's like coconut based, as well as 90 grams of melted butter. So you have to crunch the cookies up really small, like kind of turn them into dust. Mm. You can do this either with a rock, as I've had to do before, (laughs) put them in a plastic bag and just whack, 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 whack. (laughs) Um, I've used a mortar and pestle as well. The best, what works best is a food processor, but not everyone has one of those, but you can make a plan with whatever. Just crumb those cookies, mix it with a butter, and then press mm. it into your dish and let it chill until you're ready for the next step. In the, the next part of the lemon meringue, you need two tins of condensed milk mm. and a three-quarter cup of lemon juice. You mix those together. It looks really cool. And then you add five egg yolks. Zoe, can you tell me which part of the egg is the yolk? I believe it's the yellow part, right? Correct. (laughs) So you add five egg yolks and then you beat them together and then you pour them that as long. You pour them into the uh, condensed milk. You mix that together and you pour it into the crust. Then you put that back into the fridge, let it cool. In a separate bowl, the egg whites from from the egg yolks, you whisk them. The the tip with this is whisk it longer than you think you have to. That's the way to get a really good meringue. Just when you think you're done whisking it, whisk <laughs> it more. <laughs> it takes really long, but it's worth it. When it becomes stiff, add half a cup of caster sugar and half a teaspoon of baking powder. So then you take your the base of the lemon meringue, which now has the condensed milk base in. Mm-hmm. You put the meringue on top and then you shape it nicely with your spoon. Then you put it in the oven at 180 degrees. For <laughs> 180 degrees. 180 degrees. Uh, for 10 minutes until it becomes nice and brown and beautiful on top. And then you take it out of the oven, you let it chill, and then you can serve it. Oh, wow. 
me just listening to that. Okay, let me tell you my favorite part. I eat the lemon meringue, but I actually take the meringue off <gasps> and eat the lemon in the bottom because those are like my favorite. Or I'll <laughs> eat the meringue first. And then I will go for the the middle and the oh, bottom. Okay, okay. You if you eat the whole thing, still I'm like, okay, that's fine. Eat it <laughs> yeah. in whichever order you think is fine. Just a tip for you guys: you can't really use normal house sugar in this because you will be able to taste like you'll have, find those little granules the of sugar in the yeah. in the meringue, and that's it's not nice. It makes mm. it really weird consistency. So please do use caster sugar. This is a tip for yeah. you, Inga, and for you, Zoe, and for <laughs> everyone at home. Yeah, I'm glad. Let me, let me note that down. Costa sugar. I'm so glad you gave that tip because oftentimes when I want to bake something and I see the recipe says Costa sugar, I'm like, nah. What if I just use basically sugar? sugar. It usually right. doesn't matter, but for a meringue, it makes a difference. I've had mm. store-bought so meringue that. that used the normal sugar and it was awful, absolute waste of money. I was going to say, I'm so glad you told us because knowing me, if I had everything and not cost the sugar, I would have used normal sugar. But see, that's the thing. I'm also the queen of like exchanges. I'm like, oh, what can I, okay, this can be a banana instead. Great. Whoop. I'll do that. <laughs> so this, that's just an important tip to know. Oh, I'm definitely trying this out. If you guys make it, tag 180 degrees on Instagram. Yes. I'd love to see your lemon meringues. Yes. You can find us at IMY movement on mm-hmm. Instagram. We will be there. We have the passwords. We will see the tags. <laughs> Zoe on 180 degrees. Let's go on straight into the interview section of the show. I'm quite excited. Those of you who listen mm. to the show might remember this week's guest. We had her on a couple months ago, a very influential woman we have on, Lilian Mukidi. She is the owner of Ujoma Sewing and Beating and Other Services, which is an NPO that aims to empower women in the community to sustain themselves by providing them with skills that can give them this um, ability. They can learn how to sew and make money for their families this way, and they also, this opportunity is open to women of all ages. However, today we will not be talking about the MPO. We will be talking about Miss Lillian, Mrs. Lillian, because she is married. Mrs. Lillian and her book. She wrote a book, an autobiography, and I think it's very interesting. I read it a couple weeks ago and it moved me. And I think it's something that the audience would like to listen to. So I'd just like to say good evening, Mrs. McKeady. How are you doing? Good evening, ladies. Good evening, Zoe. Um, fine, thank you. It's great to have you on the show once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to, yeah, <laughs> be with you again. Yes. I would like to ask, what led you exactly to write the book? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, when you can't tell your story, and when people don't listen, I think the best choice to put it down mm. by reading, people may understand what you will be through, especially the African community. Mm. Because, you know, growing in, uh, in Africa, born in Africa, where there's no counseling, where people don't listen, don't hear your voice, don't know what you went through. And it's difficult people to understand you and the uh, the situation you are in, and I just realized, you know, many years has passed, and no one knows really what happened to me when I was at age fifteen, mm. and what I went through, uh, my life, my teenager. So I just decided to say to my husband, I want to write this story so that it's not only for me, also to help an African girl, young girl, 
who was going through the same situation like me. That's mm-hmm. the main reason I wrote the book. Yes. Before we ask the next question, I would like to say that I would like to send out a trigger warning. This interview, this autobiography includes stories of rape. So if this is something that is triggered ring for you, I would like to warn you in advance. Thank you very much for telling us that, Zoe. Mm. So Lillian, you know, what goals do you have with regards to the book? Uh, The main goal is to help a young lady, a woman, who never tell your story, who has been through the same situation I was in mm. and need to be set free. You know, when you keep the story in and when you don't tell the story, you still have to, uh, you still have to in and you're not free at all. But by telling your story, you release yourself. So this book, I think the main goal is to reach people. Everyone who has read the book, I've come across people who I just share the story, uh, and a lady, uh, some woman, just stood up and said, you know, this is exactly what happened to me as well, mm. but I've never told anyone. Mm. And this woman is already married. But like that day, I feel relieved at least this story can help someone to come out and free herself. Yes, I feel like... It's... So that's the main goal. It's just to release people from the bondage they lock themselves at not disclosing what happened to them. I feel like... Uh, oh. I just wanted to say that I'm very happy that you wrote the book for this reason and the reasons you're saying, because especially in that time period, mm. I feel like this was a very hushed, hushed thing that people didn't really talk about. Even I remember in the book when you were writing about how you went to the boy's family and like they did not want to, you know, accept the child. And it just it just felt like in that era and maybe even now in many societies still. We often oh. tend to blame the woman when it it uh-huh. really was it was never your fault, ever. Sure, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I just want to maybe explain a little bit about what really what 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 also happened. You know, being a young girl, you feel you you don't you you feel safe by having friends. And trusting them, especially boys, their boyfriends, mm-hmm. you trust them as friends, but not knowing that in their mind they have something else. Mm-hmm. But you go as a friend, you meet friends, you trust them. You know, this happened when I was 15 years old, sure. and not even thinking of, uh, I not even have an idea of sex. What is sex? Because on those those days, you know, I'm now 53. Imagine 50, eh, it's like 50, eh, um, 30 years back. Those those days, it was difficult for a kid, for a young girl to think of sex. Mm. Because it was prohibited, it was like a taboo, you don't even want to talk about it. Mm. But finding yourself in a situation where someone forced himself into you, it was a shame, first of all. And the reason why you could not even tell anyone, and people don't, because... You, you look, they look at you mm. like uh, someone who brings who brought shame. 
mm. as a family. And yourself, you also can start condemning yourself. If I did not go and visit them, maybe these things yeah, could not happen to me. So you start condemning yourself. That was the position I was in because of myself. Because I, came, I went from my house to visit them. That's the reason why this happened to me. And, and after that, you, you, you stay in a position where you don't even know how to speak to people because the society gave me the church. That's, that experience which made me feel very bad because gave me the church. Look mm. at you like an outcast. Mm. The community look at you the out, and like an outcast. The, the school, it was difficult for you to go back to school. As because when I was raped, I was 15, as I said, and four months later, that's when I discovered that I was pregnant. Not even knowing that I was pregnant. I just went to the hospital to find out what is happening. I'm not feeling well. And just to come and discover the daughter told me that my daughter was pregnant. And it's four months. Mm. That was the end of my life. On that, I feel like uh, I can just die there. Mm. And knowing, having a, a parent, some parents, parents who the most difficult parent, and I could not even open my mouth and tell them. I said, I'll wait until they will see it. And the doctor advised me, don't even think of doing anything because you might die. I was, I, was, I was in the fear of dying, and what am I going to do? I was so clever at school. Should I drop, should I drop school? But so I was in a confusion that I could not even, did not even have a counselor to speak to. In hospital, there's no counselor. There's no, no one could say I can just encourage me and advise me on what to do. I was all alone. Mm. And there's so many people who are experiencing that. And it's not only today I'm a bit strong. Every time I used to speak about this, I was so emotional. But now I know that, yeah, I'm strong enough because I've made it in life. Mm. But the thing is, there's a lot of people out there with the same situation. Regardless of the color of the skin, you have white, black, I shared it with CC FM, and there were some colored people who called me and said, My dear, eh, your story has made me free. Mm-hmm. And until today, she's my prayer partner uh, since I shared this story, I think four years ago. You know, there's so many people who have been in this situation, and it, by sharing the story, it brought them up. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to thank you for sharing that story with us as well. Like, and and thank you for highlighting the shame that you felt and the shame that was forced upon you by society at that time. It must have been an incredibly traumatic experience, and I think there will be some listeners out there who can identify with that and who will find a bit of solace in your story. Mm, sure. Um. So, um, would you say that the events of your life led to you starting Umoja sewing? The event in my life, it's part of, uh, not in full, I think it's part of what made me start Umoja. As I was saying, uh, uh, having a situation where you are abused, rejected, and I learned to strive, I learned to overcome 
my uh, my fears and to stand on my own. I push to become who I am today mm. because uh, and then I said I can pass this because if you were rejected by your family, no one will not support. And I stood up and said, no, I'm going to, I'm not going to look at what the community is saying about me, what the uh, people are saying about me. I have one goal to achieve. Is to be to do something good for myself. I have to complete my school. I need to find uh, to 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 find something to do. So I completed my school, uh, metric university. I completed because I could stand on my own and say, no, I'm not what people say I have. I know who I have. Mm-hmm. And when I came to South Africa, after all this difficulty, I could not even find a job. I said to myself, I can't just sit and wait for people to help me. I need to do something. So I, you know, I looked around, so what can I do? And I looked around and looked and said, no, there is something I can do. And I, because I just got involved volunteering in different communities, different organizations, I was volunteering. And I learned how to run an organization. So I was sent to... A, a conference in East London, and when I went there, they were given a bag. It was a bigger bag. Then I said, no, this is beautiful. And I look at the amount of people who were carrying those bags, how much money they make, and the people who made this. Then I said, I need to learn this skill and train other people so that we can create our own job. Mm. So I came down to Safari to get that. I called someone. You train me how to do the sewing, train me how to do the bidding. Then later on, I start inviting people to come and learn. And I say, this is not only an issue of foreigners, not only an issue of an individual. It's a common issue of Africa. Because what is killing Africa is poverty. What is killing Africa is a lack of skills. But I start inviting women from different backgrounds. And they come and we learn. They say, I don't know, I can't promise you a job, but let's trust God that we can, we're going to have jobs. Mm. And we start learning from one another. And I suddenly, uh, someone asked me, what, what is the name of your organization? Then I just think, so, no, this, I'll call it Umoja. Because Umoja means unity. The Swahili name uh, it means unity. We are one. We're coming from different backgrounds so that we can form a new family. Yes. We start looking at where you come from and what is your color of this, your skin. So we get people from colored uh, uh, to white, people from where uh, people are coming out of prison, homeless, everyone who's willing to learn mm. who, who, yeah, who is welcome to our, to our project. And we thank God because yes. that's after a few months, we start getting orders from what we are producing. People, we mm. made a lot and a lot orders for for shimmy, woodwork, and so I think we were training every term about forty to fifty women. Mm. Sure. Right now, I'm telling you, in Kepta, everywhere, people know about Umoja. I can go to Pal. Our fans people, I remember this. No, Mama, we know you. We remember you from mm. Umoja. <laughs> So everyone who talk some some of them I can't even remember them because it has been twenty years now mm. we've been running Umoja and I'm so happy because it changed 
the perspective of people. They don't look at them that they can't do anything, there's no job and sit down, but today they can learn a skill and start something. Mm. Sure, you know, just listening to you speak, it's so inspiring for me sitting, you know, sitting on the other end of this phone call. And I just want to, you know, ask if there's any advice that you would give to any young girl who maybe might have found herself in the same situation as you were. If you could say anything to her right now, what would your advice be? I think the, the book, I think, is dedicated to young, the young women. What I would say to them, my advice, I would say to them, first of all, you don't, you cannot just trust anyone who's around you, mm. especially in these days. But you must be, uh, you must make sure that wherever you go, you are prepared and the people you trust. Because red destroys. And if you cannot cope and stand, some goes through yeah, some can yeah just yeah kill themselves and you know it it bring a lot of and a lot of depression. But I don't want youngest to go through that. You mm. better prevent yourself. Yeah, to look after yourself, stand by yourself, and know who are your friends. And if this if if this happens to you, don't keep quiet. Mm, mm. If I may survive today. It's not because I was strong. Eh? I don't know by the grace of God, I would say. There were days I, was, I could feel that today, I think I feel like dying. There were days I was so depressed, I could not even wake up. Days of crying, this is not a situation I want. I don't want a young girl to go through. So they have to speak up immediately. Eh? If they don't, they don't feel comfortable to speak to their parents, find someone who trust, who trust, speak. And they'll help. I'm willing to help as many as many young people I can with my story and encouragement and making making them to understand life and to stand again for themselves and become again somebody. Today I'm happy married. I'm running an organization, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm just happy. Yes. Yeah. The past is gone. So without speaking out, we cannot forget the past. It's time to speak out so that you may forget the past and move on with your life. I would like to ask if you have any wishes or any changes you'd like to see in African society. In African society, South Africa, they're trying because there is a lot of counseling, there is a lot of places where you can run to. But uh, the main thing is the African country. Mm. People are dying. People don't speak. Rape is happening every day. And they pretend as if things are fine. Mm. And it's happening sometimes in the house. I've come across people who have been raped in their house by uncles, by cousins in their homes, but they never, never speak to anyone. So it's something that we need to implement. I want to that the group of people can can go and establish some counseling center. There's nothing like counseling center in all those countries. Police, you go to police, they will help you again. You, there's no way you can run. So I mean, I'm crying for Africa, because of African young girl. If we can help them yeah, to come to the school, to protect them, to have a place where they can say that if I go to this place, I will be protected. 
does not have been as such. And that's my second mission is to go in Africa and try to establish a place like that for young girls and mothers, not only young girls, there's also a lot of women who have been abused, mm-hmm. even boys who have been abused. My last question is, do you have any advice for anyone out there who would be looking to publish a book? Uh, not yet. <laughs> I've been selling by myself because I did the first launch with yeah, my private church or the Jubilee Community Church, which is so great because so many people from overseas uh, bought the book, but still people are coming to my office and when they all want a book, but yeah, I need support for, to publish it because I want, because the people also ask if I can write it in, in French as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> So uh, it, it needs support. Yes. I mm-hmm. sacrificed myself to uh, have this made to require a lot of money. I know Pastor Ovo <laughs> knows how, how much it costs. So mm-hmm. I try my best for my own pocket. I managed to do that. But if I can find someone who can publish it, and um, yeah, that will be great. So I want this book to reach as many people. Because on my on my launch, my the first day I learned girls from America, the students uh, were, I think they were on holiday, and one bought the book and said, I, I bought this book for my mom because the story it related to my mom's story, and she bought the book for her mother in America. So wow. that was so touching. Yeah. I would like to lastly ask if anyone wants to buy the book, how can they go about doing that? Uh, uh, for now, you can just pop in our office at number 313 Lower Main Road Observatory. That's where we're selling the book. And okay, or they can call me, but I'm trying to put an uh, ebook. But yeah, my uh, the guy who's working on it, I think, is going to publish it maybe next month. Oh, so wow. you can access it yeah on online. So I mm. hope it will yeah, it will be done as soon as possible. But for now they can just get it from our office in observatory. Can you share the name of the book with us quickly so that next month if any of our uh readers, our listeners want to read it, uh, that they know what to search for. Oh. Uh, the, the book is called Imani. Imani means fact. You know, I, I came from the Swahili area, so I always want to put a bit of Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> so Imani, I love it because it means fat, and it's, uh, it's that, that's the name of the book. So if you can go and ask for Imani book, that oh, they can, yeah, we can send it to them. You can easily, yeah, send it to them via... Korea or yeah, you can just give us a call on zero seven six four six one seven zero three six. That's my contact number. Wow, thank you so much, Lillian, for this very incredible mm. interview, for telling us where we can get the book, and for having the word of advice for any young girl out there who is yeah, in a very similar situation. As we all know, South Africa is unfortunately the rape capital of the world, so this is a very yeah. very relevant issue in our society. 
Yeah, and thank you very much for telling us the story of how you rose from the ashes like a phoenix, but you didn't just rise by yourself. You brought your community up around you as well. And I think those are always such important stories for us to hear. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. You must have a wonderful evening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Before we go straight into our Bible quiz, I would like to say that if anyone out there is being affected by rape or knows anyone who is affected by rape, please, please call the Rape Crisis Line. Their number is 021-447-9762. This is, I know someone who's worked with them. They're very good. And it's not something you should be quiet about, as Lillianne said. Mm. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Zoe. 180 Degrees on I Am Youth Movement. And now it is part for the now it is time for the Bible quiz question. It's Monday, guys. It's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I am struggling to say this name. Zoe says it differently than I do, so excuse me for the bit of a brain scramble. So Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible, died at what age? Zoe, how do you say his name? Methuselah. See, both seem probable to me. <laughs> um, the scripture you will find this in is Genesis five. So please in uh, SMS us those answers to three seven nine eight eight or WhatsApp us at oh eight one seven two nine. One six five seven. So the three ages that I've provided for you guys to choose out of the provider <laughs> is a seven hundred and fifty six, b a thousand and twenty three, or c nine hundred and sixty nine. So once again, the question is: Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible, died at what age? What's up us? The answer at 081-729-1657. degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. All right. So before the break, I asked you guys a question. So that question was, Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible, died at what age? The answer was C, 969. Woo! Woo-hoo! Became <laughs> real old. Right? And to those of you who like Inga and I discussed this, we were talking about this during the music break and we were like, we wanted to pick a thousand because I knew that he mm. was the oldest man in the Bible. But then we picked the nice middle one. The middle one. Not yes. too young, not too old. Mm. Not yes. too that young, not too old. Just 900 years. <laughs> Straight down the middle. Do you guys think these, these ages are accurate or do you just think they're being, a, they're a bit exaggerated? That's always my question when I read Bible ages. I think, this is what I think. Maybe time. The mm. concept of time was different back then. I Ooh, agree. Vibes. Something like that, you know, which which calls for a deeper discussion. But that's just my thoughts. Like, I think maybe. And then again, I also think, you know, nowadays we have processed foods. You know, yeah. we're not living so long anymore. We're not reaching you know, that yeah. 900. We're <laughs> not reaching that, you know, the hundreds. <laughs> but let me shelf this conversation until the next time that we can discuss it more properly and go into the happy health tip. 180 degrees on I Am Youth Movement. Follow us on Facebook today. I Am Radio. Health Tips. How to be happy in your health. It's not just about being healthy, it's about being happy. Should be quite interesting. Chocolates are the true source of happiness. So... 
Speaking of processed foods, <laughs> we have some happy health tips for you for today. Number one. So these are helpful health tips. Number one is learn to do stretching exercises when you wake up because it boosts circulation and digestion pains. Oh, I didn't know that. Number two, don't skip breakfast. Study shows that eating a proper breakfast is one of the most positive things you can do if you are trying to lose weight. Number three, brush up on hygiene. Many people don't know how to brush it, <laughs> brush their teeth properly. Improper brushing can cause as much damage to the teeth and gums as not brushing at all. Lots of people don't brush for long enough, don't floss, and don't see a dentist regularly. Also, those people who brush way too hard. I don't know if you guys have seen like some dudes' toothbrushes that are completely mm. flat. Yeah. For no. some reason, my father's always looked like that. And I'm like, are your teeth... <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is my father as well. What are they doing? What are they doing to their teeth? It's like, it's clean. <laughs> but you know, apparently you can like remove like the enamel. Yeah, that's, that don't way. brush too hard. It's bad for <laughs> you. Yeah. Take rest, deep breaths. Tag mm. us in pictures of your toothbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, get what you give. Always giving and never taking. This is the short road to compassion fatigue. So today we're not just talking about, you know, eating healthy and healthy for the body, but also, you know, your mindset, yourself, your emotions. Give yourself, uh, yeah, give time to yourself and give yourself time, sorry, to receive from others. Guys, I'm not Englishing properly over here. <laughs> it's Other- almost eight. The English brothers <laughs> are credits are running out. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get to a point where you have nothing left to give. <laughs> Thank I you have for the coming notes in, there. in front coming of me. Coming in hot over there. Thank you, Amirain. Number five, get spiritual. So that doesn't mean, you know, like, get spiritual. It means a study conducted by the formidably sober and scientific Harvard University found that patients who were prayed for recovered quicker than those who weren't, even if they weren't aware of prayer. Wow. That's something we actually discussed in our pastoral care class mm. recently about how um, apparently the clinical psychologists in hospitals are starting to encourage more pastoral carers to come in and mm. just to talk to patients and pray for them. Because it's great to look at people's physical health and to care for them in that yeah. way. But especially being hospitalized, you know, emotionally and spiritually, you're also hurt. You're also lacking. So just getting that part of you mm. looked after is really good for the rest of you holistic health and that is that is actually something that i can actually add like with my grandma for example so the beginning of this year i lost my grandma and my grandpa so within the space of i lost my pa first and then 14 days i lost my grandma yeah. and they she was getting better but she was alone with my grandpa so when we told her the news she just went like silent and then she got sick and she went to the hospital and because we couldn't visit her, the doctors would say she's asking, where's my grandchildren? Where's my children? Mm. Like not having that, you know, interaction or that family pushing you. Mm. Like we could obviously call her. We could send her messages, but she wasn't. Then there was a time she wasn't answering her phone. She mm. wasn't, you know. It's incredibly it's, lonely. Oh, it's terrible. Number six and the final one. It sounds weird, but yummy out, yummy out. Get smelly. Garlic, onions, spring onions, all leeks and leeks all contain stuff that is good for you. A study at Child's Health Institute in Cape Town found that eating raw garlic helped fight serious childhood infections. Mm. Heat destroys these properties, so if 
it's best so it's best to eat it raw. You know what? You can do this in fun ways. I put some raw garlic on my wraps when I eat them because mm. you get that like garlic that's chopped up, like not cooked. Yes, yes. In the tubs from like Spar or Pick and Pay, it slaps on a wrap. <laughs> like if you guys don't know how to incorporate raw ga- raw garlic. Mm. That is my suggestion. I, I add garlic to everything, guys. Oh, so mm. My sister same. thinks I have a problem. No, same. <laughs> it's really delicious. And it, it just adds to a meal, the flavor. It's like it ginger as it well. Does. But even like onions. Some yes. places sell those like like crispy, like dried onions mm. that you can put on food as well. I love that. That goes in basically everything that I eat. So mm. find creative ways to include these things. Can you guys bring me these dishes, you know, sometime? Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Like every Monday night, someone else brings something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so down. Same. That was our happy health tip. And look where we are at right now. <gasps> at the end of the show, once more. Indeed. It's like the time has really just flown by. So, guys, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for tuning in with us. We love Mondays and we love it because we are with you guys. And we're here with each other as well. Mm. This has been 180 Degrees. Signing Signing out. out.